edition of the Man Cave Huddle. I'm your host, Greg. And like I always do, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to what I have to say. Now, in today's edition, we will be discussing and Man Cave Huddle previewing the 16 teams that I feel will qualify for the 2018-19 playoffs in this upcoming NBA season. Now, I know I could talk to you about all the teams in the league. Most of them you really don't care about or you might not want to hear from. So I'm just going to tell you the teams that I think where it's like, all right, let me know about the good teams and give me your opinion about the good teams. And that's what I want to do right now. So I'm going to break it down for you. One conference at a time. Now, I'm going to not break it down in terms of schedule and, and, and things of that nature. I'm just going to give you a quick little nugget. Now, these are the teams in the Eastern Conference that I feel will make the playoffs. Not in any specific order, but these are the teams I feel this year are going to make the playoffs. Um, Detroit, I feel, is going to be one of those teams. I feel in the Eastern Conference, they have just enough scoring with Blake Griffin. They have um, Andre Drummond. They also have Reggie Jackson. Reggie Bullock can shoot, but I feel that's enough with their defensive-minded style of play. They could probably be one of those teams where they got to win their last game of the year to squeak in to be the eighth seed, something like that. After I just said I'm not going to give them any specific order. But that's where I feel that uh, Miami could potentially, um, Miami, Detroit could potentially fall. Now, next up, I like to talk about the Miami Heat. For me, Dwayne Wade is a really good player. He's not a great player. And Miami, the Heat, they need a go-to player on that team. And if they can figure out a way on how to finagle that trade with the um, Minnesota Timberwolves, I think that, not that Jimmy Butler is going to be the guy that puts him over the top, but if they could keep the core together and maybe have a Goran Dragic, Dwayne Wade, Hassan Whiteside, and a Butler type of situation, I think that's a team that can do something. But for right now, the Miami Heat, I don't know where they'll fall. They might be another team that's fighting for that eighth seed, but eighth seed. But I think they have enough to scrape into the playoffs. But if they want to do anything, they need to definitely have a go-to guy. Washington. Let's talk about these whizzes. I mean, last year, John Wall, due to injury, had, I don't want to say off year, but I felt that if he would have played the entire year, the Wizards would have had a better season. Now, if he comes back this season and plays like one of the top point guards in the league, I think that they can make some noise. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make it to the NBA Finals, but I think they can make it very, very interesting out in the East because with their roster, if, now, look at this. If you have John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter Jr., and Dwight Howard along with Markeith Morris, you sit there and say to yourself, that's who they usually have. But now you mix in a little bit of Austin Rivers and Jeff Green along with Kelly Oubre Jr. coming off the bench. I mean, that's a solid squad right there. But it's all based on, obviously, injury. And you never want to talk about, you know, injuries. But, like I said, if John Wall wouldn't have gotten injured last year, I thought the Wizards would have had a better season. The Indiana Pacers. I mean, did they or did they not push the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James? I don't want to say to the brink of elimination, but they sure as heck gave them a good test last year. 
But the problem to me that I saw with the Indiana Pacers, it just feels as though when Oladipo leaves the court, it's similar to like the LeBron James syndrome. Everything falls apart. The team has no flow. Who's the go-to guy? Where are they going to get their scoring from? So, I mean, it, their team where they're so dependent on Oladipo, their team where it, first round, thank you for coming. We'll see you next year. And Milwaukee. Milwaukee is kind of in the same boat as Indiana. They have a good lineup, but then after the Greek freak, Mr. Antetokounmpo, how strong are they? I mean, who else on that team is going to scare you? I mean, yeah, Malcolm Brogdon could get busy, but is he going to really take over a game like that? I mean, he's a good complimentary player, but I just feel when the Greek freak leaves, so does a lot of the scoring punch. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, we're going to see what he could bring to this roster, being with them in a full year. Yes, they drafted the sensational guard out of Villanova, Dante DiVincenzo, but after that, I, after DiVincenzo, I don't really see a lot coming off the bench. And you can, that means you're going to need your starters as well as the Greek freak. Milwaukee, good lineup. I don't know how strong they are after the Greek freak. Now, let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers right here. Strong lineup. Strong lineup. Young, anxious. I don't want to say they're ahead of schedule because in Philly, you have to respect the process. But they have a strong lineup. The only question that I have is that I've read that Robert Covington has been replaced by Markel Fultz in the starting lineup. To me, I wonder why. Because Robert Covington last year was 36% from three. What was Markel Fultz's major issue last year? Shooting the ball. I feel with a guard like Ben Simmons, I don't know if he has that J dripping yet. But if he doesn't, surrounding him with shooters like Dario Saric, Robert Covington, J.J. Redick, and I mean, don't dare leave Joel Embiid on the perimeter. He can knock down threes himself. I think that's what really helped and assisted the 76ers as well as Ben Simmons. Now, I'm not the coach, so obviously the coach knows better than I do. But all I'm saying is this is a strong team. I mean, when you look at the bench of the 76ers, you're going to have Robert Covington, T.J. McDonald. Wilson Chandler. I mean, you got Amir Johnson. You guys, you got some talent where they could really, really, really potentially, potentially, who knows, find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. But speaking of a team that should, I think, who knows if they're going to make it to the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals at that, is Toronto. I mean, it's a definite upgrade when you acquire the services of Kawhi Leonard but can they create any postseason noise? I mean, how many times throughout the regular season do you fall in love with that Toronto look for real this year? I don't know. They just busting out everybody, and they look for real. And then what happens? They shoot up a dud. Now, with the trade that they just had with the Spurs, acquiring the services of Mr. Danny Money Green and Kawhi Leonard, maybe they could bring some of that championship pedigree and that winning edge to Toronto. I think that Toronto will definitely make the playoffs, but who knows what that winning pedigree and how valuable that will be until the postseason arrives. And the, another team I want to talk about, the Boston Celtics. I mean, ain't much to say, right? When you look at this roster, the only thing that's going to slow this roster down is health. 
I mean, that was the only thing that we thought was going to stop them last year, but yet they had all those fabulous young players, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. You had uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all players last year that I think took huge steps to making this team a potential championship team. Kyrie Irving, if he could stay the whole season. Gordon Hayward, throw him into that batch. And Al Horford, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, I'm thinking he might be, I know I can't say this word anymore, but maybe center or big man in the East. They got, they got, a, they, 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 they can go too deep almost at every position and not have a big drop off. Only teams in the Western Conference could do that. That's why I feel that barring injury, for me, representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals will be your Boston Celtics. Now, as I just mentioned, talking about the Western Conference, let's go to the West side, the second best side. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I live in the East, not that I feel that the Celtics are going to win the NBA Finals. But now, when we talk about the Western Conference, some of the additions that some of these teams have had, there are two teams that I think are going to be vying for a playoff spot, and one of them is going to knock out the other. And these two teams, I feel, are going to be the San Antonio Spurs and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't know what seed either one of them will be, but I think one of them will make the playoffs, and the other one will not. And you know, last year in the West, the difference between being an 8 seed and a 5 seed could be a mere two or three games. But the key for me with this team is, can Greg Popovich work his magic? I mean, forever and ever, he, it seems as though he's always had a wonderful point guard. He's always had Tony Parker. He's always had Tim Duncan. He's always had Mano Ginobili. None of them are there now. You saw DeWante Murray came on last year, and he tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Now, Patty Mills, he was great coming off the bench, but it's a whole different ball game when you're playing as a starter as opposed to let me just come in and get hot. I mean, yeah, you got your DeRozan, your Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Powell Gasol, but this team, I think, is built to either A, play with a seasoned veteran as a point guard, or these guys better get used to playing some team ball. I mean, can it happen? Yeah, but Pop has to work his magic and I don't know if this is going to be the year where they miss the playoffs. But I think they might be struggling with another team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. When you look at this team on paper, they look great. Young. I mean, you just signed Carl Anthony Towns to a super max deal. You signed Andrew Wiggins to a max deal. I mean, when you look at the starters and then you see the depth along the bench, you're like, wow. This is a team I'd love to play with at NBA 2K19 and whatnot, right? But then, is the Jimmy Butler situation a distraction? And is it going to be too much as the season goes along? And the thing that I wonder about is the heart. I mean, Jimmy Butler seems like he has more heart. Uh, he has enough heart for everybody on the team. I'm not saying that these guys are heartless and they're not tough and they don't have the will and the desire to win. But what I'm saying is this. I don't know if hypothetically Jimmy Butler gets traded away from this team 
if this team has the tenacity, the grit, and the defensive wherewithal to make it into the playoffs. That's why I said it's a toss-up, in my opinion, between the Spurs and the Timberwolves. When you look at the New Orleans Pelicans, it's real simple. Anthony Davis stays healthy, and he does what he did last year in carrying him to the postseason, they're going to have a good season. Anthony Davis misses a considerable amount of time due to injury. It's a wrap. Moving along. Let's go to the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, when you look at the Portland Trailblazers, they're that team where it's just like, man, all they need is one more player, but they never get that player. They have arguably one of, if not the best backcourt in the NBA with Dame Dollar Lillard and C.J. McCollum. But I just feel after that, I just feel the scoring is not that of if they had one more guy that could on a night in, night out, be that third wheel. This team can make some noise. But good team anyway. And the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is going to be uh, uh, something to look out for. No Westbrook and no Roberson. That's their starting backcourt to start the season due to off-season knee surgeries. Now, in the Western Conference, you don't want to start in a hole and have to find yourself climbing the whole season. Because pretty soon you're going to find yourself saying, saying, whoo, it's a long season, boy, and I'm not getting a break. But, I mean, yeah, you do have Steven Adams. You do have Paul George. But then one, if, I should say if, but when Mr. Westbrook gets back, this is the only question that I have about the team. And I know they're a good team, but I'm talking about, you know, when I question teams, what I mean is can they make it to the championship round? After Westbrook, Paul George, and Steve Adams, that's their big three. I really don't see where the points are going to be coming from. Now, I know in the past they've made it to the playoffs and Russell Westbrook has carried the team on his back. But I'm talking about trying to make it to the chip round. And after this big three, I don't know if they have enough scoring and three-point shooting to get them into the chip round. But this is a very scary team, though. Because with Russell Westbrook, you don't know how the game could unfold. Because this is a guy that could have 50 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists in one game. So I don't want to say they're an enigma, but they're just a scary team that you don't want to see. The Utah Jazz. I mean... They could build off of last year, right? I mean, the roster remains the same. Their defense was great. And defense always travels no matter what sport you play. But then the thing is, the only thing you have to wonder, are they reading their press clippings? Are they trying to, or maybe are they feeling themselves? But I mean, when you look at the starters as well as the backups on this team, I mean, they really do have a good starting unit. And if they cannot have injuries, played them like unfortunately it hit them last year I mean coming off the bench with Alec Burks Dante Exum Jay Crowder Tabo Cephalosha I mean you got guys that can play and that's back that, that, that's not including Mr. Double R Ricky Rubio Donovan Mitchell so I mean it, it's not like the Utah Jazz they're not going to be slept on this year so this year teams aren't going to say oh it's the Jazz now teams are going to say oh it's the Jazz yo 
So it might be a little tougher sledding for them. But in saying that, this unit has been together long enough. And after last year, I think they know how to win together. So as long as they can build off of last year, this could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers for a second. Because I believe that they're going to make the playoffs. And for me, it's all about the Kings men. I mean, you got Mr. LeBron James. I don't think when you have a team like LeBron James, I don't. I think the NBA says he has to make the, the, the playoffs. But it's saying that, I'm not going to say that it's the NBA saying that. The Lakers have a really good young roster. And what they did is they added veterans that know how to play and are tough-minded. Obviously, they added the aforementioned LeBron James. They added JaVel McGee. Yeah, I know. JaVel McGee can't do a lot, but he's a rim protector. He runs the court. He can switch out on the perimeter and defend the three. And sometimes he can finish around the rim. And that's what a big man is nowadays in the NBA. They got Lance Stevenson. I mean, say what you want. If Lance is on that night, woohoo-wee! And the way he's been looking so far in the preseason, you could tell Lance Stevenson's going to be a walking reality show. Every pass, every dribble, every everything is going to be for show. And you got Ray John Rondo. And to me, that's the biggest addition that this Lakers squad could have had. Because say what you want about Raging Cajun Rondo, he is one of the best pure point guards in the NBA. I know he doesn't score, but when he's on a team that he knows can win and he's motivated to win, the defense is there. He doesn't give you perfect passes. He gives you passes to the point where all you have to do is kiss it up off the glass. It's right where you want it. I mean, he's been in Chicago, New Orleans. I'm not saying wherever he's gone, they've done a ton of winning, but wherever he's gone, that team played better with him as the point guard. When you look at a lot of these Laker players, I mean, you got some young guns like Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, but to me, with all these young players that they got, this is the one player that can take the Lakers to the next level, and I mean potentially beat the Warriors and go to the NBA Finals, or it could just be a good season, and I believe that player is Brandon Ingram. I mean, the reason why I say it's, it's Brandon Ingram, the guy is 6'9", has a wingspan looking like he's Kevin Durant. But last year, he was only averaging 16 points a game, five rebounds, four assists. If he could up that point percentage to around 20 points, hovering around that mark, and the three-point percentage was good, it was 39%. Field goal percentage was at 47. I like to see that a little bit better. But if he can be that second solid score that LeBron James needs when he comes off the court so things don't fall apart. Because, you know, Rondo, the key to Rondo is he's not going to give it to you scoring. He's going to give it to you in terms of how he sets the team up. And that's what's key. That's what's really important by having Rondo. Now, look, you have to talk about Houston. I know. They don't play any defense, but who cares? It's Mike Antony's style. 
Yeah, I said it, Mike Antony. Because you know there's no D in the way he plays his offense. But hey, last year it worked. He had a whole bunch of guys that could shoot threes. He had a whole bunch of guys that could defend the perimeter. And he had a whole bunch of guys that could switch. And it worked. And believe it or not, they they weren't too far away from beating the Golden State Warriors to making it to the NBA Finals. But the thing is, though, you have to play a little bit of defense. But when I look at this team, I see Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony. Can you win playing iso ball? Because the way the NBA is going... From what I see, I understand it's obviously all about the three ball and driving and kicking. But more than that, what I noticed last year in the NBA Finals, it's about, all right, who's the weakest defender on the court? And let's run a whole bunch of pick and roll action or get the ball around that player so we can get our best offensive player on the weak defender and dominate that way. Now, that's how the Houston Rockets, they kind of, lack in the area of defense because offensively they can shoot the lights out but defensively they got some plays where you're like you kind of want them off the court on defense but on offense but if they're hitting their threes I mean you got Eric Gordon PJ Tucker yeah you say who are these guys last year these guys were lights out from three but you need somebody else that could legit score and not from three. Because there was a playoff game where these guys missed 22 straight threes. You need a guy that could just get, who, yo, who could get me a bucket at half court? I know Chris Paul can, but his durability is a question. Is Carmelo that guy? We shall see. There's only other team, there's only other, one team that I haven't mentioned so far in the West that I think is going to make the playoffs. And that would be your Golden State Warriors. I mean, they have it all. Experience, depth. They have um, old vet, grizzled veterans. And after winning and going to the finals after all these years, you sit there and think to yourself, what is something that's going to motivate these guys? I think one thing that's key is when you get a, a, a player on the team, whether it be a rookie or a veteran where you sit there and say, this player hasn't won, and he kind of has that new energy, like, what do we got to do to win a chip? That kind of becomes infectious, because if everybody on the team has won, and everybody knows what it's like, it's kind of like going to the same restaurant, or going to the same bar, or going to the same lounge. You just get bored. But let's say you're going to the same sports bar you've been to 20 times, but you're going with one of your buddies from out of town. And because he's never been there, you kind of go in there with a new vivacious energy. And the reason why I say this is because with the hoopla made over the acquisition of DeMarcus Cousins, maybe he could be the guy, and we all know how outspoken he is, to sit there when these guys are having an off night. He could bring that energy to kind of inspire the team. Not to mention that this is the last year the Warriors are going to be playing in Oakland, so they might want to win one for the Gipper, for all those loyal fans out in Oakland. But, I mean, you sit there, you have Draymond Green and DeMarcus Cousins. Two, I don't want, well, look, there's no real tough guys in terms of come see me outside. But when you, well, maybe Tristan Thompson. 
But any, but you know, Draymond Green and Demarcus Cousins, those are probably the two most intimidating players in the NBA, and they're on the same team. And then let's not mention Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Oh, the list goes on and on, man. The team is just disgusting. You know what the Golden State Warriors are? And for all my gamers out there, you know what I'm about to say. They're the team that you're not allowed to play with because they're too good. They're the team where it's like you can only play with the Warriors, but you can't use the starters. You can only use the backups. That's how good this team is. My goodness. But anywho, I feel if the uh, Lakers... I, 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 I'm not saying they're going to the NBA Finals, but I could see potentially uh, a Lakers-Warriors Western Conference Final. But if Ingram could really come through and be that stud, oof, oof. But nah, it's hard to go against them Warriors. I see a Celtics-Warriors NBA Finals. I see the Warriors winning in five to six games. I don't think they, I think the coaching of Brad Stevens is enough to warrant the Celtics a couple wins because I think he's that good of a coach. And right now, he's probably nearing that Greg Popovich best coach in the NBA type of uh, clout. Real quick, I want to go over uh, the rookies and who is going to be very good or impressive this year, rookie of the year. Two players, DeAndre Ayton, number one overall pick. From Arizona to the Phoenix Suns, a big, he could, as a seven-footer, he could run the court, shoot the three, defend around the perimeter. Luka Donich from Real Madrid in Spain. No, not the soccer team, the basketball team. Drafted and traded to the Dallas uh, Mavericks. When you're coming from Europe, you got every skill set. I think playing in the West, that up-and-down style of ball, I'm interested to see what Luka Donich could bring to the NBA. Two other players, well, three other. Well, I keep looking at the list, and I'm like, well, 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 well. No, I think uh, a couple other players that are, that might make some noise this year. I like um, Trey Young. He's like a baby Steph Curry. He's like, you know, you know how like there's Hennessy, and you want generic Hennessy, so you get E and J. That's what Trey Young is. Trey Young is the E and J to Steph Curry's Hennessy. You feel what I'm saying? It's kind of like you want to go to like you know an Italian restaurant, but then you wind up going to like Olive Garden. That's what that's what Trey Young is—the Olive Garden to like a real fancy. What would you like this evening? Re- Italian restaurant. Trey Young can shoot, but I just think he just needs another uh, a year building up his body. Mo Bamba, if he can shoot the three, he can be real pivotal. But I don't know if he could do that. Well, uh, Kevin Knox, a do-it-all player for the Knicks. He's he's a, he's a quiet player because he could run the floor, switch on the perimeter, shoot the three, do a lot of different things, and that's the style of play that the Knicks are bringing in this year. He he fits right into that. There are a whole bunch of other players, but those are the guys that stick out to me for right now. Who the rookie of the year be? Like I said, I think it'll be DeAndre Ayton. But any hoots, like I like to do in every episode, I like to end all my episodes with a positive quote. And in today's positive quote, I mean, I'm going to give it to you like this. Just because my path is different doesn't mean I'm lost. I'm going to repeat that. 
Just because my path is different, it does not mean I'm lost. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.